Good to see you in the building. I'm sure there are people watching online. Very welcome you are too. Our, the entire length of 2023, our theme is the kingdom of God. We've been looking at a whole load of things. Anybody glad in here today that we have a savior? Yes. Absolutely. And we have, as we have been reminded already, a beautiful, wonderful king. He not only saves, he not only receives us at the end, all the way through, he is a wonderful, beautiful, extraordinary king. And our aim, really, you could sum it up like this, is to enjoy his reign, to express what it's like to be under his wonderful reign, and to extend to others the beauty of his reign. And recently, we've been looking at some kingdom priorities. We looked at prayer, we looked at justice, we looked at righteousness last time, and today... Peace and joy. Peace and joy. I'm going to dive straight in. I'll give you some context in a minute to one verse in Romans chapter 14. It goes like this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's a great verse, eh? Now, here's the scene in Romans chapter 14. That's a specific verse. You've got to ask, well, why is Paul writing about that? Here's the specific context as far as I understand it. It's this. There are disputable matters in the church in Rome, and people are disagreeing. I'm sure you've never been in a church where that's happened, but this is happening back in Rome. There are different sets of Christians, and they're disagreeing about different things. And Paul calls them disputable matters. In other words, yeah, they're important, but don't fall out over them. And a couple of those issues that are going on, one is, what can we eat and drink? You see, in that culture, in that context, food, some of the food would have been sacrificed to idols and then been available. And some of the Christians who feel greater freedom to do whatever they feel they want to, perhaps the Gentile Christians, think... I don't care. I can eat whatever I like. I'm free in Christ. On the other side over here, you've perhaps got Jewish Christians who are thinking, that's repugnant, that's disgraceful, that's unclean. We can't eat that. And so you've got these differences of opinion going on over what Paul calls disputable matters. Another one is that some people are considering some days more holy than another. Again, it could well be the Jewish-Gentile mix. There was an enormous challenge in the early church to bring together Gentiles, those who didn't have a Jewish background and those who did have a Jewish background. A huge, huge thing. And likely, their different backgrounds are leading them to turn principles in, sorry, preferences into principles. I think this day is more, should be more holy. I don't think any day matters. In fact, every day matters just the same. Preferences are becoming principles. And this, we find this as well, don't we? Difference is great. One of the things I consistently hear about CityGate is we love the diversity. Difference is great, but in Rome, minors have become majors. And diversity is becoming disunity. So Paul needs to correct this. And so surrounding verse 17, the verse that we read, are a whole bunch of instructions, including these two. See if you can spot what's going on. In verse 15, Paul writes, If your brother or sister, remember there's two groups, they're disputing over preferences. 
If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. He also says, verse 21, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything that will cause your brother or sister to fall. When God is king, life looks like this. I can put down my preference in view of the bigger principle that I have been rescued by God from my sin to glorify him and love others. Prefer one another. Put down your preferences for the greater principle and the greater good of loving and preferring one another. There are a thousand things to disagree on, aren't there? A thousand and one, no doubt. And it's not that they don't matter. Paul's not saying you're stupid or you're just being silly. He's saying they are disputable, debatable, questionable matters, differences of opinion. And when you come together, don't let any of those get in the way of your brother. If my playing golf annoys Russ so much as I talk about it all the time, I need to drop it. Not stop playing golf, by the way, but stop talking about it with him. That's a silly example. But don't put a stumbling block in your brother's way. Rather, life when God is king looks like this. Righteousness, peace, joy. Not only individually, but in the community because we are preferring one another. Now this, this next bit might be a shock. I hope for somebody it might be. If you're not yet a Christian... This may surprise you or even shock you. The life you long for is actually the life God intends for you. The life you long for is actually the life God intends for you. See, many people assume that the Bible is archaic. It's from a distant world that can surely have no relevance today. It's outdated, a relic. But here, in this verse that we just read, Romans 14, verse 17, is something in the Bible that in the year 2023, you want to be true for you and for those you care about. I'll explain. You want righteousness peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me explain. You want righteousness for yourself and others. You want to be in a right relationship, not just with God, but with others. If there's a God, I hope I'm in a good relationship with him. And I want to be in good relationship with others. You want peace. There's not a single person on this planet who doesn't want peace. Peace is the great, longed-for, elusive key to life. That being at rest with yourself, with others, and God, that sense of total well-being. If you're not a Christian, this is what you want, I know. Righteousness, peace, joy. The world is fighting to get some joy, and it's so elusive. That deep, abiding sense of being alive that nothing and no one can take for you. If you're a Christian, you know you should be enjoying that. If you're not a Christian yet, you know that's what you want. In the Holy Spirit, well, let's face it, people are spending billions 
on some whatever it might be power to deliver such a life. If you're not a Christian here today yet, this is the life that I know you want. This is the life that God intended for us. Who doesn't want right relationships, peace and joy and power? Anybody? Nobody. People often assume the Christian faith will lead to less relational happiness, less well-being, less joy, less power. But when God is truly king, there are more positive relationships, true peace, deep joy, healthy power. That is what God is saying it's like when he is king. If you ever felt ashamed or nervous about being a Christian... Let me tell you, you have living within you the very thing everybody is looking for. Which is not a surprise, really. Because if God is creator and he made everybody, he knows what everybody needs, and it's not surprising that he has supplied for every need. And it's not surprising that it still lives in everyone who doesn't follow him, for they are searching for it. Now, you know this. You know... That peace and joy, your peace, your joy, are under attack every minute of every day. Is that not true? Thank you. Every minute of every day. Whether it's severe bouts of anxiety or a low background hum of unease whether it's serious matters such as health scares, food insecurity, relational stress, or far less serious, far more trivial matters like a bad round of golf. I was playing a few weeks ago with John Ask and John Hughes and my youngest son, Andrew, and I realized after the round, well, actually, I realized during the round. By the way, I know golf is the most boring thing on the planet for anybody who doesn't like it. That's all right, you don't need to affirm that. I, I'm well aware it is the dullest thing in the world. As Mark Twain said, just the ruin of a good walk. But anyway, there are a few of us weird people who like to whack a small ball around a field. When I was playing with John and John a few weeks ago, I did notice as I was going on, and I felt pretty bad afterwards. I was so grumpy. When I mentioned it to John Hughes uh, recently, he said, he said, I thought you were very quiet, which is my way of going grumpy. I, I wasn't shouting and throwing my clubs, but very quiet. It's amazing the trivial things that rob us of peace and joy. What, what most easily robs you of peace and joy? Not out loud, but I want you to answer that question. Answer it. What most robs you of peace and joy? Be honest enough with yourself, and God is here, to say it in your mind. What most robs me of peace and joy is fill in the blank. Now, peace and joy are related siblings. They're related. They're very closely related. They come from the same stock. They tend to grow together or not at all. And happiness is another very close relative. 
In March this year, the 11th World Happiness Report came out. They do this by interviewing people all over the world, and the report rates quality of life based on a whole load of characteristics. Things like this, wealth, employment, the environment where you are, physical and mental health, education, recreation, leisure time, social belonging, safety, security and freedom. 137 countries were asked, people in those countries, massive survey. Here are some of the results. If you're from the US, you are apparently the 15th happiest. By the way, that diagram tells you something, doesn't it? Which is quite sobering. If you're from the UK, you are slightly less happier, apparently, than the average person in the US. You are 19th happiest. I know there are people from France here. I'm sorry, you're 21st. Someone here from Hungary. I'm really sorry, you're the 51st happiest. <laughs> Some people here from the Philippines. This just gets worse, by the way. The Philippines, the 76th worst. South Africans. I'm really sorry, that's not true. <laughs> you are the 85th happiest. I can't believe this one. Nigerians, they're a happy lot, aren't they? Nigerians? No, you're not. You're the 95th happiest. And this could cause a near war to break out. Nigeria, Ghana. I don't know which way around you are. Don't be so confident. Nigeria and Ghana right next door to each other. Lots of rivalry, no doubt. You are even less happy. Yes, really. Apparently. You are 107th. <laughs> but definitely not June Simmons. They, did, they didn't ask you, did they? The... <laughs> I don't, I'm not quite sure where this all comes from. The bottom two, not surprisingly, were Lebanon and Afghanistan. The top five, number five, Netherlands. Four, Israel, which I was a bit confused about. Three, Iceland, just because they're away from everybody else. Denmark, <laughs> Denmark the second. And for the sixth year in a row, Finland is the happiest place to be. So I think we should probably all move to Finland and suddenly peace and joy will be ours. Now, depending on where you live, on what your circumstances are, and what your personality is like, you may be fortunate enough to rank high in peace and joy and happiness. Or maybe not. But what Paul is writing about here is about life with God. And it's not just life with God for the people from Finland or for the billionaires. Did you hear about the youngest billionaire in the UK this week? Ben Francis. I thought my son had just... That's my middle son's name. I thought maybe he just suddenly made it. <laughs> the youngest billionaire. I think he's 32 in the UK. Or whether your personality or determination lends to joy and peace. There was a lady this week who'd found out in the news, found out that she had a 97% chance of getting the cancer that the rest of her family had. And she had made loads of decisions. I am therefore going to make the most of this life. Every day is going to count. And a smile was on her face. You may have been able to have that sort of personality or make those kind of decisions. But this 
is the life God intends for all who acknowledge that he is king. The kingdom of God, or life under the reign of God who is king, is a matter of peace and joy. And it will look different in different personalities. It doesn't mean everybody's suddenly dancing down the street. But it's there for everybody for whom God is king. The question then is, what is distinctive then? The world is chasing peace and joy and happiness. God is offering peace, joy, happiness. What is distinctive about Christian peace and joy? What is it about being under the kingdom of God, the reign of God, that brings this about? Firstly, the foundation... This is brilliant. The foundation of peace and joy is found outside myself and my circumstances. I don't know about you. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, get downstairs, open my Bible, start to pray, and I simply say, God, thank you that I woke up again. That might sound a bit silly. There are a lot of people who didn't wake up again today. And Lord, you've given me another day of breath. There are so many things to be grateful for. Complex, big, small, simple. For some, though, this is an enormous, enormous challenge. What is distinctive about Christian faith in this regard? Well, the world has two routes for you to find peace and joy and happiness. One is, one is, to try and change your circumstances. A bigger house, more money, a different situation in life, another hobby, a this, a that, or the other. What can I rearrange around me to find peace and joy? Route number one. Route number two, the world is constantly telling us is this. Look inside and find how beautiful you are. Look inside and realize, someone laughing, look inside and realize your potential. Look inside and be all that you want to be and find everything wonderful about yourself. That sounds lovely. That's really rubbish. Because let's face it, when you look inside, is that really what you find? <laughs> no, is the answer coming from over here. For the follower of Jesus, peace and joy are founded, found outside of either of those, my circumstances or myself. It's found in who God is, on what God has done, and who he says, I now am, which means that I have a substantial, unchanging basis on which to find peace and joy rather than the fickle, shifting sands of circumstances or my feelings. Con consider these few. We could do this for a week. I'll spare you. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified, declared not guilty, I look inside and I think, what a load of rubbish that is. God knows what I am and he has declared me no longer guilty. Because my guilt has been passed to Christ and he has paid for it. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody? That's extraordinary. 
That's outside myself. I'm not looking to my circumstances or within. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Jesus is talking about prayer, and he says this, amongst other things. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Where does peace come from? It comes from knowing this. I have a saviour who is a glorious king, who is even a father who knows what I need. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now that doesn't feel good, does it? Because I feel like I do lack stuff. Well, I might like to have this. I might want to have that. Do you know what the reality is? If God is your father, if he's your shepherd, the truth is, the basis for peace and joy is, I actually do lack nothing. Because I have everything I could ever actually need in time and eternity to be right with him and therefore right with me. Paul says this, for me to live is Christ. And here's a tough bit. And to... Die is gain? That's hard to get your head around. But if it's true, if it's true that even death means more Jesus than I have now, so it's gain. If Christ now, why is dying gain? Because it's more Christ. Well, then actually the truth is peace and joy are mine now and forever. Because nothing, not even death, can rob me of what really matters. Tim Keller's been referred to. It was bound to happen at least a couple of times this morning. His son put out a message a couple of days ago. He said, in prayer, his dad, he said two nights ago, I'm thankful for all the people who've prayed for me over the years. I'm thankful for my family that loves me. I'm thankful for the time that God has given me, but I'm ready to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus. In the face of death, I don't say this lightly in any regard, that man is at peace. That man has joy. Even then. You can't find that in your circumstances. You can't find that from within yourself. This sort of peace and joy is founded outside of us. Happiness, Sam Storm says, is the whole soul resting in God and rejoicing that so beautiful and glorious a being is ours. Do you know God is yours and you are his? Stop chasing short-sighted distractions. Stop chasing escapism and addiction. And find peace and joy when God is your king. The goal of peace and joy, secondly, this is a little bit counterintuitive, is beyond myself and my circumstances. We're all hoping for peace and joy personally, aren't we? This is what God has for us. And yet, the goal is not only ourselves. Because the context, I'm going to rush this because I'm way over time. The context of this is other people and they are good. So your experience of peace and joy is meant to spill out and spill over in preferring of others. In their peace and joy. So please don't restrict 
your experience of peace and joy to enjoying God in a silo, it spills out. It spills out into your neighborhood. It spills out into your workplace. It spills out into your social settings. The peace and joy that are a matter of being in the reign of God, enjoying him as king, spills out. And the hope is this, that people around will not say, why are you so crazy happy all the time? I hate you Christians. You've probably heard that sort of thing before. (laughs) And they can be very annoying. If it looks fake. But where it's real, and it's steady, and it's constant, and it transforms your interactions and means you are good news to be around, not just you have good news, then it spreads. The goal of peace and joy is not just you. And finally, the power to experience peace and joy, again, is outside myself and my circumstances. Again, all the world has got to offer is rearrange your circumstances, see what you can do around you, or look within. It's powerless. The power to experience peace and joy in the kingdom of God is, again, outside myself and my circumstances. Some of you will be natural tiggers. Is there any tigger in here? I won't ask if there's any Eeyores, because that's less. There's a few. The South African is still protesting (laughs) about being number 3,000 and whatever it was on the world list. We have a South African tigger. They should have interviewed you. There's probably a few tiggers. If you're a natural tigger, you might say, peace and joy, easy. And the rest of us are annoyed at you. But what about actually for all of us. How does that peace and joy become a personal and corporate reality? And I have the best news for you. I have the best news. The best news is this. It's a gift of grace. Not a restriction according to your personality. Joy and peace are one of the great Christian miracles. Everybody's amazed, and rightly, when someone is physically healed. Let me tell you, it's an equal miracle when a Christian is going through something dreadful, and yet the peace and joy of God is still in them. It's not simply about your effort. It's certainly not about denying the challenging circumstances you're in or whipping up some positivity. The peace and joy that has its foundation outside me and outside my circumstances comes to live in me and affect my circumstances. If, may God forbid this, in fact it's not possible anyway, if my life came to live in you, apart from being a lot more handsome, you, sorry, that was a joke, you, you would... You would take, if my life, that was not planned, if my life came to live in you, you would find that you adopted my interests. You would find that you adopted my characteristics. You would find that you were living a bit of a Tim Francis kind of life. I don't mean to scare you, but that's kind of what would happen. This peace and joy is in the Holy Spirit. God's life living in us, producing peace and joy in us. 
You see, God, the king, is very joyful. Do you know that? He's the most joyful being in the universe. God, the king, is completely at peace. He's the most at peace being in the universe. So life under his reign, with his life pulsating through us, will look something like his life. Which, among many things, is peaceful and joyful. So in this verse, the kingdom of God, life under the reign of God, is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy if you try really hard. Righteousness, peace, and joy if you've got a bubbly personality. No, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in, through, because of the Holy Spirit. Brackets, who dwells in you. Hence, Galatians chapter 5 famously says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. The fruit of the Spirit. Again, the fruit of a bubbly personality. Or the fruit of Christian easiness. No, it's the fruit of the Spirit. His life in us. The Christian experiences peace and joy against the odds. Peace that passes understanding. Joy that transcends or invades deep pain. What a wonderful gift. (laughs) And at the same time, as is almost always the case in the New Testament, our part is to participate in that life by receiving it. Peace and joy are the fruit of the Spirit and of our decisions in participation with Him. It's the result of our decision, our decisions to actively receive His gifts. Paul writes to the Philippians and says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Now where does that joy come from? Well, it's founded outside of me or my circumstances on the truth about God, who I am, who he is. And it comes because we are obeying a command. It's a command. It's a really awkward command. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's like those marriage promises, always. That's a really tough command. But it's not me achieving it. It's me applying and receiving what the Holy Spirit is doing in me, bringing peace and joy. A man, man is standing at an old water pump. And he's saying, because he hasn't done this before, he says, come on then, water pump. Water, please. Of course, none comes out. You're passing by, and you notice his predicament, and you advise him, Pull on the handle. And so, not having done this before, he tentatively pulls on the handle. Maybe a trickle at first, and then a cupful, and then the water begins to flow. Faith pulls on the handle of truth, and peace and joy come in the Holy Spirit. And many of us have not learned to do that. 
We find ourselves lacking peace, we find ourselves lacking joy, and we find a distraction, which is not a bad tactic all the time, or we find an addiction, or we find something that's really unhelpful to fill that gap and numb that anxiety that we're feeling. Remember the pump. Faith pulls on the pump handle, which is truth, and peace and joy come. I feel so anxious. Um, By the way, I know this is an enormous issue for many people. Please don't hear me being simplistic. Faith pulls on, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Anything coming out? Not yet. Well, I better keep going. It's a bit rusty. My father knows all my needs. I haven't even asked him anything yet. He knows my needs. Oh, there's a drop. It's just one drop. There's not any more coming. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Etc., etc., etc. Faith pulls on the handle of truth and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, not just because you're pulling on the handle, flow. George Muller said this, from the 19th century, extraordinary man of God, he said this, other, please listen to this, other things may press upon you. Is that not true? Things pressing on you? Oh, it's a very satisfied group. <laughs> things are pressing on you, I know. Other things may press upon you. The Lord's work may even have urgent claims upon your attention. But I repeat it, deliberately repeat, it is of supreme and paramount importance that you should seek above all things to have your souls truly happy in God himself. Day by day, he said, seek to make this the most important business of your life. Seek to make your souls happy in God. The kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in his people. It's an extraordinary promise. It takes our application, but that is the life that God intends for us. If you're able, I wonder if we could just please stand. The potential missional impact of lives like that is considerable. Now I could say, is anybody here feeling they really need peace and joy? And that would be a fair question. But I've had a word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is, we all need peace and joy. It's not a word of knowledge at all. It's a fact. Don't we? Don't you? You must say I'm relatively peaceful. I'm not sure I'm living it out in my community, perhaps, or whatever it is. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will begin, because it's in the Holy Spirit, to drench us in peace and joy. And you might find that happens right now as we pray. In fact, I trust some people will find right now. I'm pulling on the handle of truth as I receive and the Holy Spirit's at work in me and peace and joy and happiness are coming. The smile is returning. 
to my heart. You might find you need to go home and find some truths and pull on that handle and ask the Holy Spirit. But let's ask him now, shall we? Let's ask him now. Maybe you want to close your eyes. If you know it's definitely true for you, put your hands out as wide as you can. Do whatever you need to do. Anything you need to do to say, Lord, I really need peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we all need peace and joy in the Holy Spirit because none of us has cracked it. We're all on a journey. We're all assailed by all sorts of things every single day. Holy Spirit, thank you. You are right here because you're always with us. And thank you, you're here to ensure that our experience of the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, please come and do some things now. We pray for some anxieties to get blasted out the way. We pray for some questions that may still remain not to be so dominant. We pray, Lord, that you will bring peace and joy. Why don't you ask him? Let's just start asking him. Lord, please fill me with peace and joy. Speak some truth to yourself. Remind yourself about him. Do you know you cannot slip out of his hand if you're one of his children? Peace, joy. Do you know nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Peace, joy. Come Holy Spirit.